Hey everyone, you're listening to Changing the World and Other Circus-Related Things, Episode 6. For this episode, I tried something a little different. Today we will be having a roundtable discussion about anthropocentrism in circus. Our guests for today are Josh Smith, Fiona Salisbury, Carolyn Watt, and Valentina Solari, all of whom are circus professionals that I met at the Sirius Circus Symposium in London. So without further ado, I bring you today's episode. Um, my name's Josh. I am a juggler and dance trees artist, and I have no idea what anthropomorphism is, so I'm here <laughs> to find out. Great. Um, yeah. I'm Fiona, um, I just graduated Circa Media and I've started a circus research project with Valentina who's not here but she, she will come. Um, it's a lot about anthropocentrism in circus, I specifically focus on, uh, so myself and Val are focusing on this idea from the Valkyrie open letters mm-hmm. of uh, the cultural metaphor that circus represents um, of dominance over nature. Um, and the human body Um, and for me my research has gone into um, the kind of success driven nature of that Mm -hmm. Um, so looking at what would circus look like um, if it wasn't driven with this sort of success successful tricks Um, and I mainly work on tight wire at the moment so a lot of wobbling Um, yeah Uh, I'm Carolyn, I'm a PhD student in the final year of my PhD and it's around aerial circus, recreational aerial circus primarily, kind of building on social circus ideals um, but linked with digital culture and digital society and creating a digital programme embedded with an aerial programme so it's both the physical and engagement with digital skills and sort of ideas of digital storytelling as well. Um, I'm also a contortionist and I do aerial, primarily silks and a bit of hoop. Cool. I'm Eliana, <laughs> circus artist. I'm from the US um, and I'm just really interested in this intersection of social environmental justice and circus and so I have a couple projects going just to research that and have conversations and get the conversation going and connect people that are working on that. anthropocentrism in circus <laughs> let's talk about it so anthropocentrism uh, just to quickly give a definition to that um, I like to define it uh, in contrast to egocentrism so anthropocentrism if I can say the word is a worldview in which uh, humans are at the center or at the top um, and versus ecocentrism which is a worldview in which um humans are on the same plane as everything else. Um, and so wait, the, the letter that, y- that you mentioned, this uh, open letter um, to Circus uh, by Beth Rubin is, first of all, fantastic. Yeah. I don't think I wrote for this. <laughs> but something she talks about is this, um, yeah, this, meta- this idea of the metaphor of Circus being the dominance of humans over nature, um, which... Is Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you want to introduce yourself real quick? Oh, yeah. Um, I'm Valentina. I am a circus maker and a circus teacher. And I'm working with Fee in a project, research, circus research project called Bull in a China Shop. Cool. Which is more or less about this. Yeah, it's it <laughs> amazing. Um, but yeah, so, the, so what she talks about um, is this idea of anthropocentrism in circus and... Um, if you look at uh, like traditional circus, it's very apparent because um, you know you have, for example, animal acts in traditional circus are very clear, like human dominating over animal. Um, you also have this idea of like humans overcoming nature, in mm. whatever way, over their, over gravity or yeah. whatever, in order to, to basically dominate and come out of basically the, it's this presentation of superhumans, mm-hmm. um, and so I'm really interested. Because in terms of, if you look at these issues that we are facing in the world today, to me it seems very clear that that, is a, that, that anthropocentric worldview needs to shift. Um, and so I'm wondering, what, 
what does ecocentric circus look like? Is it a thing? Is it possible? Like, how do you take something that is so rooted in this anthropocentric world and bring it into something different? If you hide the process mm. of training, mm -hmm. if I feel like you can say, hey, look what I can do. Look what mm -hmm. my body does. I can throw nine ball cascade. Mm -hmm. Look how amazing the human being body is. Mm -hmm. But I think if you're open to saying but actually it took me 20 years to get there mm -hmm. that's a whole different mm -hmm. lesson learned that's one of hard work and <laughs> of um dedication not necessarily passion because that sways in and out mm -hmm. but i think how honest you are with what it takes that's interesting how would you how do you think you can show that on stage i think one easy way of doing it is through speaking about it telling stories about your um, experience as a human being in circus mm -hmm. and I guess the vulnerability of being on stage in front of people mm -hmm. the vulnerability of being at the top of a three high mm -hmm. and the fear and the courage that mm -hmm. that takes I think that's it's valuable lessons in a different way to dominating nature. Mm -hmm. It's more like progressing ourselves, maybe. Mm -hmm. It shows the human condition, yeah. which becomes, well, it's a bit more universal, makes you at less, less than a superhuman, but more of like a human, mm -hmm. human. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can speak from experience of trying to do that whilst I was at Circa Media. Um, so we had to make a 20 minute show and I was uh, that people aware of what object orientated ontology is you know we've spoken about it's basically this idea that rejects prioritizing um, human existence over non-human existence mm -hmm. um, so I was it's really great there's a really good book the person who kind of schooled this is a really interesting person um, but yeah uh, I took the main uh, points of that to try and make myself a manifesto, so this idea of rejecting the privileging of human existence over non-human existence. Um, oh, it's really hard to remember them, <laughs> I wrote them all out. Um, Very wordy it was, well. it was so wordy, it was, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of other things. But, um, so I tried to translate that into performance very literally by taking um, objects and myself um, and we were both trying to basically not fall. So I was balancing and it was Jenga was the objects and trying to, I think for me, um, fa like failing on stage is a way to show that. Mm -hmm. So I was doing a balance that was not a skill that I was particularly good at and still not. And so there's the possibility to fail. Mm -hmm. And the objects as well had the possibility to fail. So it was kind of just presentations of both of us undergoing the same thing and in terms of like the objects as an aerial equipment, allowing myself to be working in a way that I, my body was still under effect of gravity, and the so I was on a cloud swing. I guess everyone just I guess you know um, uh, so standing balance on that, um, and then the swing, and then trying to look at the unpredictable nature of the cloud swing, um, and the unpredictable nature of a swing because. I hadn't yet mastered it, if that mm -hmm. made sense. It was a skill that I hadn't mastered. So I was, what was being displayed for me on stage was a human body. So it was about a human body, but I was under effect of my own control, but gravity, the motion of a swing by not mastering it. So mm. that's my experience of trying to do that. Mm. But it becomes quite difficult when you show people and they're like, oh, you fell off, and it's like, mm. <laughs> yeah, I did, and that's the difficulty that I found is um, being being okay with you. You've you've been there through all of these panics, yeah. being okay with them not showing oh, yeah. perfection and success, mm -hmm. and mm. showing the opposite, um, yeah. showing not mastering it, because yeah. that kind of feels like that's what circus is. Yeah, I was going to say that feels like it goes so opposite to like the sort of central idea of, of circus and its and its history and where it comes from is this idea of mastering something. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying now to master wobbling. 
So. <laughs> Sounds very serious. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's because I, I think, yeah, it's, it's hard because if you go so against, is, is that what circus is? Is it that? And, mm. and then if you try and do the opposite, is it, I don't, I don't think that's true, but that, does that stop yeah. it being what it is if you stop trying to master a skill? Mm-hmm. If what circus is, generally it's continuous tricks, which is doing something successfully, mm-hmm. then, then if you're not mastering it, then what is it? And yeah, so many mm. questions. <laughs> Sorry, I've spoken for ages in that. So. <laughs> What, do people have any thoughts about like non-human elements in on stage and like or or like not just inanimate but also like other living things on stage mm-hmm. that are non-human? That's a really weird kind of <laughs> articulate way of asking yeah. that question. Um, what what do you what other non for example animals um, animals or plants or Ooh, plants are controversial. <laughs> I don't know, just if anyone has any thoughts about. I my friend had a really funny, funny thought because I was like, oh, is like because I like the idea of um, presenting non-human beings, but at the same time, if there's a question of like, but they're not necessarily choosing to be there, like what you know, what do you do with that? And she had this really funny idea of like, well, what if you had an animal that just like was free to wander on stage if they wanted to, or not, and they could just do whatever they wanted. You had to work around them. Which I thought was kind of like a hilarious idea. And, and, I, and, and also kind of interesting, because it's like, okay, it can choose to come on stage mm-hmm. if it wants to, and then when it is there, it's like, you can't move it out of the way. You have to move around it. Yeah. That would be a structure. What do you, what do you say about the snail? I immediately... You just made a comment of like, oh, what if you had like a snail instead? And it's like, well, what if you did? That would, like, could you imagine then you, like, because stepping on a snail, we all do it, it's horrible. It's horrible, it breaks our hearts mm-hmm. a little bit. But if you did that on stage, then it's suddenly like murder. I don't know, it seems yeah. like it becomes really huge. Yeah, not, I really like, would not, like to not, watch not that. on purpose, but, <laughs> you know, you have like. 10 snails and you're doing acrobatics and it's mm-hmm. about that instead mm-hmm. of having, I don't know, broken glass or something because mm-hmm. that's like something that's yeah. used, like elements mm-hmm. of danger. Then, that's, yeah, yeah it's it, taking risk and placing it on huh. the natural world, mm-hmm. which is yeah. worse possibly than dominating it because there's no, con- which is it's quite a It's because the glass will harm yourself. Yeah. Whereas the other one is harming something else. I guess it's putting it's putting in, in it's putting the it's putting circus as an anthropocentric mm-hmm. um, art form as it is if you were doing it traditionally, uh, um, or like this idea of concept of circus the concept of anthropocentrism as circus mm-hmm. on a stage and nature very literally represented and then it fucking fucking it up very literally yeah. on stage I don't know. I don't know if that's going anywhere, but I just thought like, oh, that would be very interesting and very, what, it's like, I, I'm surprised that to me that feels like that would be horrible to mm. watch. Oh, I don't really. know if that's ethically like. I would, I would uh, hate to watch someone step on a bug or a snail or anything yeah. living on stage. I would hate that so much. So much, but it's like, why would I, why do I feel so like emotionally attached when it's on like on stage but like people do it all the time when they're walking down the street and it's an accident but i guess it's that it's the del- deliberation well, I, yeah. think, um, I think if it's if you're on the street there's sort of like an acceptance of the inherent risk of of, of inhabiting the same space yeah whereas on stage it's like you're bringing it into that context yeah that is true. you know i think mm-hmm. that might be the difference yeah. place yeah like if you're walking around in your yard and you step on a snail that you didn't see it's like that's sad, but that's just sort of life. You know, you, you you live in a you know, if you are cohabiting with other creatures, things happen and Yeah. Yeah, and but then do you die, think because on the T V shows that celebrity jungle one, they do things with bugs all the time that's horrible and people view that and don't react that like we're true. reacting that to this when true. actually so it's I don't know, we're probably I don't it's a different 
Yeah. It's still it's, a spectacle. It's about the human experience, though, not the bug's experience. It's a so different... you're, you're watching the person scream, or do you know what I mean? But they, 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 I mean, they, might have, they must squash loads of bugs in the process. But the and humans yeah. in fear. Whereas if the snails were on stage and the human was rolling about doing acrobatics, the human isn't suffering. Mm -hmm. I don't know why there's something about a snail that's different to me than a bug. It's a crunch, it's like very lit, like... Uh. If it was a stick insect, I'd still feel sad. No, of course, I would feel like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if it was a wasp, maybe not. Just saying. I don't know, this was a very strange tangent. I just like, imagined it and I like, couldn't help by sharing what was in my head. Oh, but we don't need to talk about it, that would just be a oh, weird show. Like, start by like defining what circus is. Oh no. Is it? But like, if it was created uh, by humans <laughs> yeah. for humans to watch, uh, yes. you know, then it's. Uh, yeah. That is an interesting question because I feel like. I feel like circus is going through a bit of like an existential crisis mm. where um, no one really knows how to define it. And I feel like we get you get this sort of funny thing where like, um, you know, a lot of circus work incorporates theater and dance and music and all these other things. But rather than rather than kind of calling it a fusion, people try to expand the definition of circus mm. to include everything yeah and and then it becomes this really vague kind of it, the term doesn't isn't useful anymore mm -hmm. right because it's like you know someone might be like i'm just standing on stage and not doing anything and that's circus or like i am dancing and that's circus or i am mm. eating an apple and that's circus yeah. and it's like there are already kind of names for those activities. <laughs> I think that the problem of that definition comes more from the fact that circus artists have been expanding the art form, but mm -hmm. then um, for I think it has to do more with applications and forms, to be mm -hmm. honest. Like when you're applying for funding, when you're trying mm -hmm. to sell your show to a programmer, you you yeah. kind of like when it's dance, but then it's like, oh, but it, I'm putting a trapeze on. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. like. Well, then it's circus, and there's like you need to market it as mm -hmm. that, or there's yeah. like a whole like if there has some sort of trick or acrobatic or level of like technical skill. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess, but I could do that. Is that circus? Oh, well, that's why so, I mean, like, so let's the not level get into... of technical skill I disagree with because for me, I could roll a ball here, mm -hmm. that's not a ball, it's a pen. But for me, that's juggling. <laughs> yeah. And that's not a high-level technical skill. It's not even no. really a trick. Mm -hmm. So for me, the definition of circus breaks down surrounding tricks when the tricks are so minimal, they're not really mm -hmm. tricks. Yeah. But it's still kind of circus. Yeah. Well, um, so for me, when I'm on stage and there's a, piece, there's a ball next to me, mm -hmm. I want to know, is that circus? Mm, I, think it, I think you're... I think you're right to be confused about what the definition is. I'm still confused about what the definition is. I think it's also, um, it needs to be a definition that's suitable for the general public to understand what you're talking about mm -hmm. when you're talking about yeah. circus. And also you can't break it down, do you know, like, but it's like if, if you if you take every, every, yeah, I think it's a bit more like general, otherwise you can get so wound up and like... And you can do the same with, I think you can do the same with any kind of definition if you like yeah. a chair for sure like if you're sitting on the stairs then or like well yeah. there's a whole philosophical mm -hmm. argument about that i had an interesting uh, experience in canada over the summer because i saw a show um that was marketed as a circus show and it probably 80 percent of what was in it is things is was not what i would call circus it was like physical theater or mm -hmm theater or, or dance or something else um, and I think a lot of people were very confused by it for that reason and it was sort of like to me I was like that's sort of like if you have a play with a dance number and you call it a dance show mm. right it's like it becomes kind of confusing um, but I think it is sort of interesting it's like what is what is this definition of circus where does it as it's been kind of fusing with these other art forms like where does one start and the other and I really liked, I talked to someone um, who had some interesting definitions. One I really liked was like, 
the presence of risk of some mm-hmm. kind, whether it's physical risk or in juggling, like, dropping, you know, mm-hmm. or whatever that is. So I thought that was an interesting aspect. Yeah. I also, another one I thought was really interesting was the idea of, like, variety. So that for something to be a circus show, it should have variety in it. Whereas, like, and this is really interesting because she made the, the distinction between, like, a show that is, for example, a show that is all juggling. Is that a circus show or is it a juggling show? Mm. You know, and does that, that, does that still fall under the category of circus arts? But is it, as a show, is that a circus show? Yeah. And I thought that was sort of, like, an interesting mm-hmm. way to think about it as well. I don't know what you guys, if you guys have thoughts about that. <laughs> think we could probably talk for like if I'm on stage with a piece of circus equipment I would, yeah, yeah I think like or even if I'm speaking about circus yeah. without the circus equipment <laughs> or the script that I was going to that I was writing what I was going to speak about on stage without a piece of circus equipment mm-hmm. I don't know it fucks my brain up yeah. <laughs> but it's also like worth asking um, ourselves I feel like we had a um, at Circomedia, the MAs did a show when mm-hmm. they finished their master's degree in directing circus. And um, there was a lot of discussion of circus theatre and circus integrating theatre and what is circus and what is theatre and where do they mix and is like one and one is the other. And at some point, somebody says, like, Yeah, we, could, we I think it was Mary Maya who told me, like, We can talk about this for a long time and it's definitely worth it in, term, in terms of like us being terminologies and like also mm-hmm. like it's just interesting mm-hmm. um but at some point we need to stop asking ourselves like why is the trapeze there it's like let's just mm-hmm. accept that mm-hmm. it is there, there that it's circus like, we do tricks we we cannot mm-hmm. we all know more that's what mm-hmm. we mean let's okay let's discuss about mm-hmm. something past because i like it no 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 and it's and it's t- yeah. definitely fun. like it's again i it, it is interesting and it's i also true. i also like there's a there's a jake Kittigan, I think, has a video of like the definition of juggling or something like yeah. that. Which is interesting. It's like displacing something there. Is that juggling? Is it object manipulation? And what is like... And when does like dance start and juggling ends when you're doing non-continuous juggling and stuff like that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, I have a question to kind of bring it back to our original topic. Is Do you think that the original quote-unquote original definition of circus includes this idea of anthropocentrism and human superiority and do you think that as we sort of reinvent and redefine circus I guess my question is is there a way to kind of take that part of the definition out Mm. (laughs) Um, and sort of approach it in a completely different way and, and approach the role of the human in circus in a completely different way I think you should talk about what you've been doing because it's similar yeah it's um, really yeah um i think yeah and again no it's like oh god it's the definition problem again yeah. <laughs> it's like i think you can like i've we've been experimenting a lot with more live art performance art way of doing using circus techniques rather than doing circus mm-hmm. if that makes sense so we done a lot of work with just like we did so we've done a lot of practical research of trying to isolate ourselves as humans from the objects so attaching strings to ourselves mm-hmm. and then doing a, a an aerial move doing a tie wire time like working on the tie wire or whatever um and bringing focus to the objects mm-hmm. whether it's by like turning all the lights off and just having um our hands and our feet light up mm-hmm. so then you you cannot see my face you cannot, they, suddenly my hands become more object animal-like rather than it's like this human characteristic. Mm. Um, we've also been doing a lot of stuff with film mm-hmm. and just a circus film, just like fil- filming your feet doing foot juggling mm-hmm. or just filming objects that are moving fueled by circus, which is a concept that you've been working with. And I've been trying to, with trapeze and juggling, to find a way where um, there is an equilibrium between the trapeze, the juggling ball, and myself, because I juggle on the trapeze. Mm-hmm. And my problem with that 
technique was that I always found that doing trapeze juggling, there was only always a move that was like, okay, this is definitely a trapeze move with me throwing the ball and then catching it on the other side. Okay, this is definitely a juggling move with me being on a front balance instead of being on the floor and trying to f find a way to fully find a move that is um, both of those things. And in that process, trying to um, then realizing that that doesn't really matter the trees or the juggling ball because people are always looking at me and what I'm doing and how can I abstract myself from that, whether it's just like not facing the audience or um, I don't know, be trying to be more object-like or trying to give more personification to objects, but it's really hard because you're you're a human person and you're the only element in those elements that can um, mm -hmm. be active and mm -hmm. do things. In terms of technique, yeah. I think in terms mm -hmm. of performance, there's a, like mm -hmm. a lot more scope yeah. for stuff. <laughs> so then I have, a, I have another question. Do you think that there is a place where, I don't want to use the word anthropocentrism, but where like human focus can exist in a positive way? Well, yes. yes. <laughs> I mean, I think the answer is probably yes. yes. But what do you? How do you? How can? How can we create a positive space for that that still acknowledges the value of other things? You have a really good quote about compassion. Yeah, I don't remember it. It's, really <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like a. It's like a. Um, it's really good. <laughs> I think um, when you're working with the body, mm -hmm. uh, you can speak about body image quite. Mm -hmm. upfrontly. That is true. And that's quite a positive thing to bring up through using a human being mm -hmm. is how we perceive having human bodies. Mm -hmm. I, I guess circus is a good art form for body-based things <laughs> <laughs> as in also like mm -hmm. touch and vulnerability. Yeah. a lot of like social issues in terms of like social mm. equality and like mm. how people are represented on stage, mm. um, gender issues. I feel like, I feel like a lot of social dynamic issues can be addressed really well in the because it's so much about the di you know, dynamics yeah. of yeah. people in, the, in a space with themselves or with other people. I think as well, if you look at um, a circus, not only as how we experience it as performers and makers mm. and quite like like this is my like how the audience experiences mm -hmm. it or how a community experiences it you you do a lot of really nice stuff with that like um but <laughs> i think it's when i don't really know where i'm going with this it's about the audience as well and i think that's mm. when the anthropocentrism is for the good mm -hmm. um because we have so much power as performers and especially as circus like this is the thing of like circus is um, really great and really powerful and I think um, the metaphor for dominating or mastering something mm -hmm. is can be you know negative if you see how it has reflected through history as you know now it's a trapeze but maybe it was a lion or and we still have that kind of <coughs> approach to things but um, actually it's really inspiring for humans because it is made for humans mm. to watch and mm. and seeing like what we can achieve and what we can overcome and not it's not like about enemies like i'm not the enemy of the trapeze by overcoming mm -hmm. it it's there's like another way to look at it and i think the kind of awe and wonder of circus is very inspiring so is the like positive mm. aspect of anthropocentrism mm. i think it's also a good thing about circus that it's always been a popular art form mm -hmm. it's I think it has that thing that really draws almost like everybody in like mm -hmm. I at least well at least in Chile it's like circus you just like it's a thing that you do every time when you're like not every time but like mm -hmm. you do at least like once or twice when you're a kid you go mm -hmm. to the circus you know like you know about that yeah instead of like I don't know and other types of arts like contemporary dance or theater mm -hmm. or the which are more like you need to pay for an expensive ticket get in the theater mm -hmm. and stuff I feel like oftentimes uh, when you talk to people about like what 
circus makes them feel or what it gives them is this it's this it's this feeling like anything's possible like you can kind of you can kind of uh overcome uh challenges and limitations and maybe that's like a really good aspect to emphasize <laughs> in this day and age you know with, when we're like facing yeah. this enormous problem um and these enormous issues is like putting emphasis on that aspect of yeah. we can we can overcome these and we can you know work together and and, and work with not only with each other but also with our our spaces and with what like our objects and our our inanimate world as well in order mm -hmm. to achieve something i think it's interesting to have the conversation about anthropocentrism and circus and think especially when you want to talk about other mm -hmm. um social issues when you want to talk about also like the environment or social justice and mm -hmm. it's more abstract you can't I, I personally feel that you need some other sort of technique or approach to the technique that is circus mm -hmm. to for it to make sense in that context mm -hmm. if not it's just like I don't know you have this very powerful message that you're trying to get to an audience and then in the middle you do a backflip mm -hmm. and, then, yeah, and suddenly it's like or like you're saying like we're all the same and we need to uh, live in this world all together and then you do like this amazing acrobatic sequence and it's like oh well we're not all all the same surely because then I won't be able to do that and uh, um, but that's the sign of struggles that I encounter with 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 circus and trying to make it um, coherent to my values and to the work that I want to make and what I want to say well something that's also interesting with, with circus that I think is really cool to experience as someone that does it, and I have no idea if this gets across, is that there's this cool thing that happens where you get people together that think in very different ways, believe very different things, um, maybe don't even really like each other as people, but they work together to make this show work. Mm -hmm. um, like, I've, I've I worked with someone that believes the earth is flat. And I had a very real problem with that <laughs> fact, but I still went on stage with him and, and did the show and and we were able to get along, you know, in that context. And I think that's a really interesting thing that happens is that people can set aside very real differences for the sake of safety and for the sake mm -hmm. of and for the sake of the show and for putting on this show. I don't I don't know that that is something that people see when they watch it, though. And I wonder if there's a way to express that. Because mm. that's something that, for me, as, like, experiencing that is very powerful. This is a very powerful feeling of solidarity around a common goal. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I don't know if there's a way to, like... Giving the audience a bit of responsibility, isn't it? Right. <laughs> mm. I'm like, thinking of what you were just saying. I was thinking when you were talking about circus and like what how, how to use that for your shared values and these kind of things but so probably too big a question but what why use circus in the first place like why not necessarily what is circus but why are you using yeah. circus mm -hmm. I, I don't necessarily yeah. expect an answer to that <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a, I think that's a very real question that I I've been asking myself mm. a lot because of that problem yeah oh yeah <laughs> Me too. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about it a lot. <laughs> um, okay, sorry. Uh, no, go for it. No, go on. No. I was just what Frankie was saying um, earlier. Of, like, uh, what makes you happy? What do you love to do? And then how can you use that to serve the world? So in the same way that... Because I, I feel coming out of circus <coughs> school... Um, and feeling kind of attacked for choosing to use a rope in a piece. Like, why have you used mm. a rope? And it's like you would never ask a painter, why did you use acrylic? Because mm -hmm. that's my mode. Why did you paint? Why did you paint about um, an idea that you had? Why did you paint that concept or that emotion? You would never, you would never say, why did you choose to paint? Why didn't you just come and tell me about, <laughs> about you know, Frida Kahlo? Why did you paint? Why did you paint? Okay. The, why did you paint that? Yeah. <laughs> rather than just, you know, write it down. And then I think it's... it's <laughs> Come on, give us a break. Like, no, really, like, it's, it's, right. it's how you express yourself. It's, it's, it's 
your medium. It's, it's your medium of communication. Yeah. And I think I get, yes, there's definitely challenges in terms of like, you know, why are you using a rope? Like, it's okay to ask me that. I did, like, you know, you want to do a talk about uh, serious <laughs> topics and then why are you using a rope? Why not just go out and talk? Because it's what makes you happy and then that's how you can best. But it's a, it's a question that, yeah. like, you constantly get. And I think you just have to be like, because I love it. And that's, <laughs> that's the but way that it's not it's not self-indulgent. It's but how I, you confess. I also think so. that it can be useful. Mm-hmm. I think that uh, circus has something that dance, that other scenic arts mm-hmm. don't have. That is the wow effect. Mm-hmm. That And the like, oh, that's not meant, you're not meant to be doing that with your leg. Which are two things that, mm-hmm. one, engage audiences really quickly in a very... Well, cheap way sometimes, um, but it's very accessible. Mm. Like everybody can be amazed by a trick that they mm-hmm. cannot do, or mm-hmm. even if they can't do. Mm-hmm. And the other thing of of the like, oh, that shouldn't really be happening, or like, what are you gonna do like over there? It's like it puts your <laughs> mind in a complete separate state of mind. Mm-hmm. It's like suddenly anything is possible. Mm-hmm. And when you you're working within that anything is possible, mm-hmm. then maybe it's the thing mm. that what's her name? Natalie, I don't know. It's like when when you can imagine anything mm-hmm. and you can be in the state mm-hmm. of imagining anything, yeah. then you can tell people mm-hmm. like, could you imagine we actually we all not die mm-hmm. in an apocalypse because there are no more bees in the planet? <laughs> <laughs> then it's like when we can do that, then then suddenly it's also very inspiring. But it's. It's, I find it such a fragile... It kind of comes back to that superhuman quality yeah. then. But, yeah. Um, Balance, yeah. I went through a bit of an existential crisis where I was like, why are I doing circus? It's so pointless. I could just say it and write it down <laughs> and speak it out. And I interviewed Charlotte Mooney as part of my degree. And I basically... What? Who is she? Uh, director of Occam's Reads. Oh yeah, one. Charlie. Um, <laughs> and I was like, there is no conceptual or con- like conceptual language to circus because there's no predetermined um, cultural understanding of the language of circus like there mm. is with English. And she was like, <laughs> I disagree. I think <laughs> there is a language in circus, but it doesn't work conceptually because that's what words are for. That might not be what she said, but that's what I understand from it now. And she's like, when you watch someone do a back tuck and you go, that's the language of circus. That Mm. feeling cannot be recreated with a word. That's true. When you are watching someone on swinging trapeze, and this was her example, and there's an air lightness in the room and everyone's all up here. And you can, you're almost feeling this. It's the yeah, that yeah. can't be created without someone being on a swinging trapeze. Mm-hmm. And she said, for her, circus almost goes all the way around past conceptual language and understanding to a point of like, like physical, visceral. visceral yeah, it's quite a lot like researching circus and that visceral reaction and the, um, the audience members yeah, physically feel it. She's, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So uh, Peter Tate writes about it and Kate Holmes and then there's some dance people who write about it and that visceral and the audience members oh. imagine themselves as the performer yeah. and their body doing it and it is that aspirational, imaginative, mm. literally, yeah, it's uh, Peter Tate writes about it. Kate Holmes has a recent article and her thesis is recently published. I think it's Susan Foster is a dance researcher. Are you from a dance background? Sorry, I don't know your name. Oh, sorry, Carolyn. Um, Carolyn? Carolyn. Um, I'm doing a PhD, a practice-based PhD in aerial circus, recreational aerial circus and sort of digital culture. Um, And I do aerial and contortion. And there's another author, a research, circus researcher, and I can't remember his name, but I think I've got it written down on my phone. So <laughs> I've not read his stuff, so I can't tell you about his stuff. But. I think it's interesting that we've been talking a lot about performance. Sorry for being on no, this. Um, I just, it, we perhaps haven't spoken mm. about um, what it's like to train it recreationally or as a hobby yeah. and what that actually circus means. Circus practice it's, rather it's than... It's interesting. Yeah, it's, it's, and something that I... 
because as much as I've trained mostly recreational, I am I do consider myself a professional performer yeah. and instructor as well, but mm. on the I teach flexibility sort of recreationally and I teach yeah. youth circuses, recreational circus aerial classes, um, and I do perform professionally, but not in the I've not done the degree and it's not in yeah. you know not touring or that kind of professional so it's sort of different different levels yeah. isn't it it was really interesting and something that I've kind of because I kind of teeter on the edge of in my head I have the benefits of what recreational circus and aerial and contortion has given me in the kind of you know your typical very classic self-esteem confidence yeah. you know as mm. a young 18 19 year old whenever I started and that bodily connection and so some interesting research about hypermobility and yeah. um, anxiety that can come with that literal body having a lack of control. Oh. And, but then I do have that similar, what other people are talking about, those pressures of feeling you need to get that, tra or whatever it is in that training. Yeah. So it's kind of yeah. like a teacher on the edge of both yeah. of those. But with my participants, I've been leading studies working with groups of women aged 18 to 35, two groups, I did a pilot study and then a main study, but now I'm doing it, I'm sort of really noticing it in all my other students as well, um, and talking to them about when they see, specifically aerial performance I'm researching, but when they see that aerial female, it is that aspirational, they want to be them, wow, look at them, they're strong and they're fearless and it's effortless. And then they're like, God, this is fucking hard and it bruises. And they're all so <laughs> proud of their bruises. Mm -hmm. Like everyone's, so I started photographing all my bruises now just as part of it. But it's kind of, it is interesting that, and historically looking at how circus has evolved and how it's kind of, you know, with a like science, you know, like the displaying of bodies, mm. quite, I mean, historically it's quite, quite the history of that's absolutely mm. awful, but yeah. it is part of history, that displaying of body and the physical and the science and, I don't know, it is interesting how, and then the sort of industrial revolution and then the physical body and it, there's lots of, so I always think circus almost kind of mirrors, and I think it's coming into it now, you know, it does kind of mirror society in a way. Yeah. And I don't know if it's not necessarily it's a positive or negative. It's I don't know. It's, 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 and then I was thinking about what the sort of a lot of young graduates and this pressure with the circus training. How actually it's sort of a mirror. I don't think it's necessarily specific to circus training. I think it's a general pressure for young people. Yeah. And kind of the things we've grown up with as a you know as children and the pressures and school pressures and you know I don't know if any of you are with children, but talking to them about like GCSEs and terrifying I don't so I think so stressed yeah and I think partly as well because circus it's our bodies and this is what I've struggled with a bit with the PhD it's so personal whereas so the personal is your work and then that obviously does make it more pressure because it's it's you and it's that physical that literal weight that you're carrying mm -hmm. your circus body's always with you even now our circus bodies with us even yeah you know you're like oh that's there and oh that almost made me cry a little bit I was like oh yeah my body body's always with you and that weight that you're carrying and you need to twist out and you need to do no no I don't do it I think it's I don't know and then the amount of people who work multiple jobs I'm sure I don't know if you all have different jobs as well because. And then your body's with you in that job too. Mm. Like, I d I, yeah, yeah, I don't know if that yeah. helps. I yeah. just went off on a bit of tangent. <laughs> Rambled. <laughs> it is. It is um, I think when you talk about it from like that point mm. of view, you're like, of course circus is it. Yeah. It's perhaps anthropocentric mm. because a human body is what we all have in common. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And we exp differently because, mm. you know, everyone has different bodies, but maybe... Like also, circus thrives on things you have not in common. Mm. Mm. And it celebrates that yeah. to an extent. So, like, mm. the body is like the only thing, other than maybe we all use jeebles or. Yeah, yeah. If you get sponsored. <laughs> with the participants, the main <laughs> thing with. Yeah that is it's that kind of idea of embodied positivity so it's recreational so it's they don't have the same pressures 
but that feeling of I can do it, and they can all do it in their own, you know, whatever move was, they can do it in their own way mm. um, that suits their body type. But that positive is kind of an embodied positive, and then they carry it with them. Yeah. And, yeah. Do you think that um, that sort of feeling of, like, I can do anything mm. and, and I can accomplish anything, do you think that that naturally gets translated into external things, or do you think that's something that needs mm. to be sort of enabled? I think it needs to be a little bit enabled, and that's all again, there's studies in social circus which do discuss it, and then they sort of talk about how it's, they've got it in their social circus environment, but it's mm. might maybe not transferable outside of that, because your mm. circus environment's a very supportive and that's kind of what I was sort of starting to do with this work is to bring it then into the digital IT classroom and start looking at Photoshop and kind of link it together and see if it is transferred. But I think it's very, I think it's probably part dependent on the person, part dependent on length of time you do things. Because, you know, some <coughs> of our participants say, oh yeah, I applied for this site, which is, works in some sort of admin support role, I think. Saying, oh yeah, I applied for this sort of female leadership like a support thing. I would never have had the confidence. And you get loads of people saying stuff similar. Mm -hmm. So I think it is transferable. I don't know for how long. Okay. And I think that's what there needs to be more research. Like that's the sad thing about the PhD. Well, <laughs> I want the PhD to end, but obviously the PhD has to get done in a certain time frame. So I don't know if in like ten years I could go back and interview all the participants yeah. and say, Hey, how <laughs> do you feel like this? Yeah. <laughs> Doing trapeze. Yeah, like you did it you. ten years ago. How do you feel? Yeah, Amy, the um, person who spoke earlier about yeah. kids on the green, she did a really interesting mm. research project, and it was um, observing kind of how we feel um, about our bodies and confidence yeah. and things like that, and the difference between people who trained it for leisure and recreationally, yeah. and the people who trained it professionally, oh. and how they felt about their confidence, their self-esteem, their body, yeah. and um, it was, correct me if I'm wrong, it was quite... Uh, we were all just very depressed. Yeah, I cried yeah. through that presentation. Um, it was uh, the kind of things that you get with circus, this is going off topic a little bit. Um, the things that you get when you train, train it recreationally, um, the boosting confidence mm -hmm. you know I managed to do that trick I feel amazing yeah. all of those things when you kind of start moving towards professionalism and yeah. then you're like it, it it's so funny because you are where you wanted to be when you were yeah when you were doing yeah. it recreationally but it's it's at, at, when you start I feel recreationally you're focusing on what you mm. have and then when you become professional it's what you lack almost yeah. so I think that's kind um, of what you were speaking yeah. about yeah. it's really when, interesting mm. she did yeah. that research when I first started juggling I started juggling six years ago I remembered watching Victor Key and Anthony Gatto and the mm. first jugglers that come up you yeah. to YouTube and being like wow I wish I could do that and now six years later I and my aspirations were, I want to get onto the degree programme, I want to yeah. graduate from the BA, and I've done that, and I can do the tricks that, some of the tricks that he does, and I can do tricks that he doesn't do, and so that's irrelevant, but now when I look at jugglers, I'm like, why can't I do that yet, rather than I really want to get there, mm. it's mm -hmm. more... I should have this. I, yes, I should, yeah. My aspirations for juggling are more self-dampening mm -hmm. rather than I want to go this way. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Now I've progressed six years at home. It's weird. <laughs> I think it's weird. I guess it's um, it's also like I, you can attribute that to many things. I think one of the things is the pressure. Mm. Like whenever you're doing something as a hobby. It's definitely yeah. very different. Mm. Like even like I thought like I don't have many other hobbies. <laughs> I turned my hobby into my passion yeah. and then like that was it. <laughs> um but I've started to work at a bike mechanic workshop, mm -hmm. just volunteering. Um and I also but I also have a job sometimes as a techie for to, for a theater mm -hmm. thing where I have to do like use the same tools, just like just mechanic things 
when I'm volunteering, I fuck up so many things and it's I feel okay <laughs> yeah. about myself. When I'm working, I'm suddenly like <laughs> I'm I feel like like I shouldn't be there. I like talk myself down to the whole time. Mm. So but it's just like it's even funny how how like the amount of pressure that you like because you have to do it professionally that it's yeah. just like Ugh. but also when you're starting you progress so much faster and now obviously that you're like a very good juggler so the tricks that you want to get if you you know that it's gonna mm. take you like that's gonna take me about i don't know three years to get there or something yeah and it's like i guess like looking that far ahead is discouraging rather than like yeah but i agree <laughs> but it's like it's, it's I guess it's like turning the focus into like I've done so much work which is easier said than done and no like way I am very good I'd like to shift it <laughs> was that it's sweet I've done the BA I've done I'm where I want to be mm-hmm. shit my aspirations aren't here anymore mm. that's because it's time to start using it mm-hmm. um, it's natural for your aspirations as you progress in something to also progress so i had this conversation like the other week with my friend uh where i was like oh i hate juggling blah, blah. And <laughs> yeah we came to this conclusion of right well now let's get up get on with it and do something with the stuff you've learned rather yeah. than get up and learn some stuff well that's actually really interesting that is interesting it's sort of like I guess when you're learning, when you're in a school setting or when you're mm. recreational to school setting, it's all about learning the vocabulary. Mm-hmm. And then, not that there isn't more vocabulary learning to be done, but it's mm. not at the same rate, mm-hmm. Yeah. if that makes sense. It's like, now you have this huge vocabulary and like, yes, you still work on it, yes, you still learn new things, but that's not necessarily the focus of what you were trying to do anymore. Mm-hmm. That is interesting. Bringing it back to what you saying about reflecting society was that oh yeah mm. so like the anthropocentrism in circus perhaps that metaphor of um human dominating the world that was at the time really reflective of the society because this was the first time people were seeing exotic Ooh. animals mm. and we needed to show dominance over them so maybe circus now can still be anth- is you know it's by humans for humans mm-hmm. to watch but it's about the human condition and Maybe mm. as circus artists, rather than showing the dominance, mm. which is just not relevant anymore, and I don't think we need to be sending no. that metaphor, the yeah. opposite. Mm-hmm. And I think audiences um, can get something so different because they don't they don't need to see us dominating, you know, an elephant anymore. Like that's not what they want to see. And I think this um, how how you feel about uh, progress and productivity and. Uh, success and this like need to be working towards something mm. which i think is mm. like it, it's it's so relevant in the rest like yeah. how many times you, like i type into how to and then it's like be productive get as much done well, as you yeah. can in a day and like all of these things and i think what we experience as circus artists mm-hmm. in the studio can is like a really good cultural metaphor yeah. for like it's it's funny yeah. how productivity has shifted how dominance maybe is mm-hmm. an interesting way to view mm-hmm. it has shifted like from was not only animals but also people like in circus mm-hmm. um in those like traditional circus mm-hmm. to dominating maybe the natural forces like gravity and like gymnastic techniques and like being really technical and very technical circus like Cirque du Soleil um and then maybe now it's um almost like shifting towards something else but I think it's maybe interesting base it's like you know getting really abstract like dominating time like mm-hmm. having producing like as much work as you can mm-hmm. getting in as much stuff as you can and touring them as many shows mm-hmm. as you can and like and I don't know what that says about the content as well if you're producing mm-hmm. that much so quickly um, mm. um, I think it's interesting but this is probably utterly wrong, but I read um, <laughs> The Ordinary Acrobat, and in that it says something about uh, circus being huge in communist countries. Mm. Where yeah. the. Like in Ukraine, it was mm-hmm. massive because they needed or wanted or valued, rather, the human to be an extraordinary spectacle, mm. and that's why it was. 
blew up then. Because it was it was like a propaganda yeah. of look how fucking awesome our culture are, oh, our yeah. people are. Yeah. And we don't have that. No, they got the state funded circus schools yeah. in those different areas. Um, but yeah. If it's, <laughs> it's just interesting. I guess it's like if it's um if we are not dumbing on over things anymore then what um and uh, an anthropocentric view of circus then where I, I find it exciting to think about where can circus go mm. and mm-hmm. develop next because it has yeah. like progressed into absolutely yeah in so little time as well it's crazy yeah it's changed so much I think this idea of uh, yeah so anthropocentric <laughs> nature of circus and um, almost worshipping uh, mm. what humans are capable of and Maybe that's connected with uh, kind of communist ideas of, uh, you know, like, we are... Productivity. Yeah, but I think more, like, maybe it's two-sided, isn't it? Because I actually quite, I quite like that idea of, um, it's it's the other side of it, and it's of, yeah, this, and, um, like, what we can actually achieve as humans, and, and that's maybe why it's... Mm. so popular within you know communism because it's sort of material it's like we are what we have and like making it mm-hmm. really like what it represents do you know what I mean of like we we did this together we are capable of this amazing thing and it, yes I guess it's about bringing people together mm. yeah. but oh, I, guess, I guess that's um, uh, to me that's the difference between uh, like self-esteem in the sense of like um, I am worth. I am. I'm, I am valuable. I am mm-hmm. worthy because I am unique and extraordinary, mm-hmm. which puts you in a separate box than everybody else, and that make that and like so. That somebody that's this psychologist that says that like self esteem will put you up there, and they will make you feel really good. But once you fail that image of yourself. Mm-hmm. Once you f- fail, once you drop a ball, once you fall off a piece, then like it's not gonna pick you back up. Um, whether maybe compassion and a more compassionate way of viewing things would like maybe centropocentrism in another way. Like we all f- we all fail, we all fall. <laughs> that's my that's my final project. Like we all make mistakes. We're all human. We're all vulnerable. We're all we all make errors, yeah. and that's fine. Then maybe that's another um, way of looking at circus mm. and valuing our human condition rather than being extraordinary. Mm. I'm always astounded by how many times the word vulnerability comes up mm. within mm. circus. And I honestly think it's why circus works. Because it's to quote Brené Brown who is like a social scientist she's like vulnerability is the birthplace of human connection mm-hmm. and so to see someone in a vulnerable mm. state just automatically connects you mm. to what is happening mm-hmm. um, and I don't think there isn't a moment where someone is doing circus and they're not vulnerable mm-hmm. what's the opposite of under- space to the objects around us mm-hmm. to well, if there are other 
uh, non-human living beings on stage or in the space if you're outside or something mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like can you change the context yeah like can you change how you interact with them so that it's your it, you know you're you're speaking of your experience as a human within this context of being on the same plane as everything else mm-hmm. um and i don't know exactly what that would look like and yeah. i'm really interested in what it would look mm-hmm. like and so that's why i'm so interested to talk to other people about about this topic I, that, I feel like this is the kind of thing that I'm just like, oh, we'd love to get into a studio and just try a lot of yeah. different stuff out. But <laughs> I saw a show yeah. recently, um, and I forget who it was by, and I feel really bad that I forget who it was by, but it was called Fractals. Um, and I remember thinking it was really interesting because um, they um, afterwards I was sitting there and I was like, maybe this is kind of what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, or in the, at least in that kind of direction, mm. and they the way that they they sort of the way they interacted with their <laughs> environment, like they had this huge piece of fabric that um, was sort of folded over, and then like went like kind of got skinny, turned into like a rope, and then like I don't know if it turned into a rope, but it got like skinnier, and it like went over like a bar and like mm. hung down. Um, and at one point someone starts climbing it and they're all counterweighting her by just sitting on it and then as they sort of walk back it like lifts and then there's like all this like um i don't know exactly what it was made of i think some of it was lentils (laughs) some of it was sand but it was like this earthy material that as they pulled it up it kind of like slid and created like a pile and then they got kind of buried under it and like they had this big tree stump that was like suspended at one point it kind of like swings down and it was just interesting because the way it was sort of structured more uh, like dance would be in that it was more like phases rather than, than acts. Mm. Um, and I just thought, remember thinking it was really interesting how they sort of moved in this very organic way and interacted with their environment, their stage environment in this very organic way. And sometimes they were like buried by it. And sometimes, you know, it was like became the, the focus. Um, yeah. And I thought that was really interesting. Um, so I feel like, yeah, I think there's something interesting about, like, how you can, how you can interact, like, and and I know it sounds, like, super subtle and super, like, well, are you really saying anything if it's, like, you know, if you're not obvious about it, but I think there's something interesting about, like, how are you interacting with your space, and how are you interacting with each other, and what does that actually say, and what, what is underlying that, you know, um, yeah. Yeah, completely, because you're, yeah, you want to, like, it's like a mini example of the world, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. Stage, so if you, yeah, you would hope that. It would be. Exactly, like you know, yeah. I think if you think of, you know, what what are artists doing, right? Like artists, I think. I think serve as in one aspect as sort of like a mirror of the world, um, and I think they also serve as like creators of culture, mm-hmm. right? So in a lot of ways, we you know artists actually have a lot of power to sort of direct the story that we're telling ourselves about ourselves, yeah. about who we are as people about what our values are, about like what, how we should behave towards each other and, and towards the rest of the world. Um, and I think if we can embrace that role of like, even if it's a, in a really subtle way of how we're, what, what story are we saying? Mm-hmm. What story are we telling through the work that we do? Um, I think that there's a lot of interesting work to be done with that. Yeah. Yeah. I think starting like in the process as well, like mm-hmm. how like how you set up. I guess this is policy thing, isn't mm-hmm. it? Like how you set up, mm-hmm. how you approach the space that you're working in, mm-hmm. how you approach your equipment. Yeah. yeah, and then that will end up tra- like will go all the way through your practice to the performance in the mm-hmm. end. And your, yeah, and you can do you can shift the whole thing upside down as well. I think like the first thing that came to mind was like site specific mm-hmm. stuff and doing work that works around a around actually mm-hmm. around the environment mm-hmm. that you're doing or well. yeah that's like responding to the specific environment you're in or to the yeah. specific community you're in mm-hmm. i think that's something i I'm, I'm really interested by like uh like uh work that really engages a community in like a larger mm-hmm. way um like i have a friend who i actually interviewed for my last podcast mm-hmm. um who's working on a uh on this big project and um, one idea she had was like recording sounds from the place you're in and incorporating mm-hmm. those sounds into the show so it's like personalizing the 
the work to the space and adapting yeah. it to the space. Or there's um there's a woman named Chantal Bilodeau who I also interviewed yeah. for podcast, but she she runs this thing called um uh, Climate Change Theater Action where they publish uh, I think it's fifty short plays, and um you can if you want to participate and like host an event in your community you can take one of these plays and kind of adapt it to your community yeah, space amazing. and put it on in a way that is relevant for your community. Um, and I think that, I think that, you know, is also just a really effective way to uh, inspire actions when people feel that it really touches them in their space and in their world and like feel like they are part of it. Um, that's a good way to, you know, inspire action. And also because it feels relevant um, and I think you can also, when you do in community engagement like that, um, and respond to community, you can also, like, it's, like, another thing to incorporate into that is, like, like, not necessarily solutions, but, like, maybe solutions or maybe, like, you know, local organizations that are working on mm -hmm. solutions or, like, working on yeah. these issues so that it's not, you know, you can, it's not, like, Here's the thing that's kind of heavy. Think about it, and then yeah. like, walk away. <laughs> like, oh my god, right? But like giving them something like an avenue to work to to do something about it. Yeah. I don't know. That kind of went off topic a little bit, but um, <laughs> I really like the idea of like people in a place, and then the work. So the play, mm -hmm. you have to build a relationship with your environment, and I mm -hmm. think just that act of like how you create it. You have to go out and you have to, I don't know, take the recordings or you have to mm -hmm. observe your environment and then, yeah, building a connection with it. And mm -hmm. yeah, it's really nice. I guess, like, that's one, uh, that's one way to shift completely, like, the anthropocentrism thing about mm. circuses. Like, let's just actually look at the, like, because we we're having this conversation, in my head at least, maybe I'm just very close minded. It was like a circus theater show in a theater with like all the things that mm -hmm. that would have. But actually, you can take the basis of that and completely deconstruct it and do whatever you like with, with it. Mm -hmm. You can. It doesn't even need to be a show. It could be a film. Mm -hmm. It could be. It could be music. Mm -hmm. Like your brother that works with. Um, soundscaping and sound stuff mm -hmm, you could yeah. make music like again that concept that you're working with like f circus as fuel for other stuff yeah. and mm -hmm, what could yeah. that be mm -hmm. Which yeah, more of an instrument than like the piece of mm -hmm. what do you call it i don't know what you're well, what you're focusing on i like guess the product yeah. yeah i'm just gonna really quickly want to talk yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm just, Struggling to keep engaged now. I almost yeah. feel like I'm talking for the sake That's of totally talking. Fair. We've been, we've been, it says we've been recording for like an hour and ten. So. Oh my god. <laughs> we can wrap it up there. Thanks, guys. No worries. It's, it's like, it's so helpful. Yeah, it's really interesting. Once again, that was Josh Smith, Fiona Salisbury, Carolyn Watt, and Valentina Solari. This podcast is an initiative of the Circus Action Network. You can like us on Facebook, where we share more or less monthly podcast episodes, as well as articles, artist opportunities, cool projects, and other things related to social and environmental justice and the circus arts. We also have a website where you can find this podcast, our blog, our community forum, as well as a database full of interesting and informative resources. If you are someone who is doing this kind of work, or you know someone who is doing this kind of work, or you want to be doing this kind of work, please get in touch. We want to hear from you. You can find our contact in the show notes and on our website. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.